You're listening to episode 137 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about a simple practice to help you get 100% aligned for the year to come. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, crazy humans. I'm recording this in Hawaii after spending a beautifully crazy snowy time in Alaska. Now that we're on the flip side of winter solstice, I'm excited for the coming of the sun and more light and all that it brings. And you may know that part of the reason I spend so much time in Hawaii these days is that my body and mind are really sensitive to sunlight. So for me, I get super stoked knowing that every day going forward until summer solstice that there's going to be more and more light. And this is also a time of year when we naturally turn more inward, at least after the craziness of the holidays have passed. But The plants draw inward as winter deepens. Many animals hibernate, slow down, hunker down. So I love taking the time very intentionally to think about the past year and set clear intentions for the year to come. And these intentions can serve as our compass as life happens and we receive opportunities for big and small decisions that can really change the trajectory of our lives. And since more resolutions are broken than kept, I don't recommend resolutions as a way to enter the new year with integrity, right? Because like with traditional resolutions, people often find themselves stuck in the same place year after year, even if they have really good intentions and set achievable goals and all that stuff. I've found that what's much more effective is a combination of reflection and learning, as well as clarity about not what we want to do, but how we want to be. How we want to be will encompass how we feel as well. And this, my friends, is what drives our actions, not what makes the most sense or has the best data because humans aren't as rational as we like to believe. In reality, we make decisions based on how we feel or how we want to feel. So it's really important we tap into how we want to feel because that is ultimately what will drive our actions and the life and year we create. So if you're in freedom school, you know I have a process I call review, reflect, and align. This helps us step into our inner wisdom, right? Our true compass, your desires, your heart-centered visions for your life, right? And we come into it with really astute observation, integrity, wisdom, generosity, and compassion, all of that that we can muster. So while a lot of people go straight into what they want to create or what they want to do differently, I believe it's essential to reflect upon and learn about ourselves and our patterns so that we don't repeat the same mistakes and find ourselves in the same old patterns again. And we can also honor how we may have changed, how we may have shifted, how our values may have shifted, Contrary to popular belief, those can change over time. How our priorities may have shifted, how our goals may have shifted. And so today I'm going to combine content from a couple of related episodes into this nice little package for you. So you have a simple process for going into 2023 with clarity and intention. Now, we benefit from reflecting on what journeys we've been through. 
Yeah, what's happened within us in the past year, how we showed up so we can approach the next year more skillfully and with deeper wisdom. Not doing this is why many resolutions fail, right? I believe this is why resolutions are now often seen as this like cliched bullshit and kind of devalued. People usually enter into resolutions without mindfulness, without true emotional investment or reflection on what would actually make a difference, right? So it makes sense that things don't change much. It's only in knowing what we do right now, our default mode, our habitual patterns, that we can choose how to do things differently in the future or choose what patterns to keep and which to let go of. Doing things differently when something isn't working and keeping up the things that actually serve us is how we create better experiences in our life and lasting happiness too, right? So it's most helpful when we take the time to reflect on the past with the intention of learning and growing and not to like wallow in regret and ruminate, right? Because it can be easy to focus on how messed up everything was, to feel sorry for ourselves. But first, we need to recognize that what we need right now isn't a pity party. That doesn't help anyone, right? Energy goes where attention flows. So focusing on what didn't work beyond what we learned doesn't help us create different things. What we need instead is self-compassion. So if you feel like wallowing in regret, that is usually a sign that tells us we need more self-compassion here. So take the time to take care of yourself, ask yourself what you need right now, what you need to soothe yourself. Then when not in fight or flight mode, when not wanting to beat ourselves up, then we've given ourselves the self-compassion we need and can dive into our reflection questions, right? We want to come at this reflection when we're aligned, not in regret. So here's a few to start with from the program we have in Freedom School this month. And then after these, I'm going to show you a simple practice to help get really clear about what we want to create in the next year, okay? All right, so some of the most powerful questions we can ask, and then you can go to the show notes and download the whole worksheet for all of the questions here, but I'm just gonna touch on a few of them here. What am I most proud of from this past year? What went really well? And it's important to reflect on that, our accomplishments, our growth, our integrity. Two, how did I show up in my community with family, friends, partners, and others in my community? Did I show up in my community, personal, and work life with integrity and in alignment with my values and how I communicate, prioritize my time, and manage my finances? Three, did I express gratitude to the people who helped me? Am I seeing the interdependence of how I am, where I am, what things helped me along the way, who helped me along the way in the biggest or smallest ways? Four, and there's just about nine of these or so, just so you know, it's not going to go on forever. Before, what thought was the most helpful for me in the past year? And by this, I mean, what was the mindset that best served us when we needed it? Maybe it was, this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. Or maybe it's nothing's going wrong here. Or maybe it's, I'm doing my best and that's all I can ask myself. Or I am safe and cared for. I am meant for this. Or I am worthy of happiness and ease. Five, who or how was I being in my life when I was most content in this last year? Confident, laid back, present in nature, 
slowed down, adventurous, right? Six, where do I want to have invested more energy? And energy can mean time, money, emotions, and intention. Where do you wish you had put more of that? Seven, what blocked me from investing that energy? Maybe it was a thought, right? Like I'm not worthy or who am I to think this or desire this or want this? And then how can we remove some of those blocks in the upcoming year? Maybe it's getting more sleep, stop over drinking, meditate, more time in nature, joining something like Freedom School or the Adventure Mastermind. Eight, and this is a very big question that I want you to ask Of all the difficult things that happened this year for you, I want you to pick one. And when you think about the breakup or the job loss or the canceled trips or the loneliness, all of it, when you think of a hard thing, ask yourself, why has this happened for me? Because we often want to ask, why did this happen to me? But that's not an empowering place to be. Asking, why did it happen to me, does not open us up to growth and learning and moving on, getting unstuck. Now, sometimes we aren't ready for this question, especially if the thing we chose was something trauma-related. So please trust your judgment on this and listen to your heart. But eventually... For all hard things, one of the best questions we can ask ourselves when we're ready is, why did this happen for me? And finally, number nine, what was my take-home lesson from my most intense or powerful experiences in the past 12 months? And I know I hate it when people say, everything happens for a reason, especially when it was in the middle of something epic, like when I had cancer. But even so, you know, when I got cancer a second time, I was like, What the hell was I missing? Why is this happening again? What is it I didn't learn the first time? And then after we've reflected on some of these things, now we're in a place to create intentions from a more mindful place instead of what just feels most urgent in the moment. And it's because it's like not what we do once that makes the biggest difference. It's what we're doing every day. So this reflection on the past year is so helpful to show us our patterns and habits of mind, body, and spirit. So next, I wanted to talk about the simple process that helps us direct our thoughts, feelings, and actions, our intentions, so that we're aligned with our values and how we want to show up in the world. And I've found the simplest way to do this is to pick a word of the year, because how we participate in this transition, how we become active creators of our own life instead of passive observers of our life, letting things happen to us. How we actively create the life of our dreams is to move, think, and feel with intention. And it helps when that intention is simple and clear, like the North Star, clear and simple. A word of the year may seem cliche, like life coaching woo-woo, but you know what? Almost everyone I roll with in my growth circle, like the people I intentionally hang out with because they help me grow, almost everyone picks a word of the year from Dharma teachers to yoga teachers to my millionaire boss lady biz coaches, they know the importance of clear intention. And for me, that's what the word of the year is. It's simple and clear and profound intention. Now, there are episodes 32 and 33 that you might really want to listen to before picking your word of the year. Or if you're in Freedom School, also catch the replay of the up-level virtual retreat um, because we want to set our intentions with wisdom informed by what we've learned. But today, 
I want to first talk about the differences between goals and intentions. Because often when people think about the new year, they're like thinking of resolutions and goals, like I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I'm going to write more or meditate more or do yoga four times a week or whatever. And so like, oh, should my word of the year be weight loss? But there is the other aspect of goals that guide you, and that is intentions, what guides you. Because a goal describes what you want to achieve, and an intention is the deeper purpose behind your actions, all your actions, not just when you're working towards your goals. So a goal focuses on the future, on external accomplishments. They have a specific outcome. They describe what you want to do, their future focus. So like, I want to see the sunrise five days a week, or I want to run a marathon or go to Hawaii. Your intentions focus on a present internal state of being, state of being that you want to cultivate. They describe how you want to be or feel in the moment, how you want to move through life, how you want to show up. So examples of this would be to be confident or compassionate, grounded, gentle, inspired, connected, excited about life. The word of the year is more about intention than a goal. Your word of the year helps you get to the goal. It's about how you achieve your goals and how to align your life with your values, with the life you want to create. And we need different medicine at different times in our life. So it's good to revisit this. In the past, I've had my word of the year range from things like thrive or inspire, adventure, self-love. Self-love was a big one. Vulnerability, right? So to set an intention, think about how you'd like to show up in the next year, what you would like to be at the root of all your actions for the next 12 months. And this could be a phrase or just a word, as long as it's simple, right, that you want to center your year around. So maybe your intention could be live with grace or just clarity. And remember that intentions are dynamic, just like you. So because of that, don't stress out on picking the perfect one just because you're not sure what the next year is going to bring, right? And if you're doing this, it could be a distraction, like a form of indulgence, right? So just watch out for that. Your intention may totally change as you learn and grow throughout the year, and that's okay. You can come back to it and do this again. In fact, I will often pick a word of the quarter when it comes to how I show up in my business. You can do that too. The point is to enter into the next chapter with intention grounded in wisdom, and the wisdom comes from the reflection. Some people think they need to start with a bunch of goals and then pick the intention that would support the goals. But aligning with our intention first, make sure we don't waste time, money, and energy on goals that aren't aligned with how we want to truly live our lives. Because those goals, even if we achieve them, if they're not aligned, they're not going to actually fulfill us. It's easy to get distracted by what we think we should be working towards. But when we set an intention for the next year, That helps us make sure we move forward with integrity. So I want to offer that we can think of our word of the year as what medicine do we need for the next year. So sometimes we can look at it like not just how do I want to show up in the next year, but what would be good medicine for me? Like for me, my word of the year for 2023 is going to be rewilding. Last year was vulnerability. And for sure, I dove like headfirst into that one and it changed me profoundly. This year, I realized I know my nervous system more intimately now, and I decided I don't want to buy what the modern industrial world is selling. I think it's bullshit, and I think it's bad for our health and our souls. I think I need to be more offline, 
right? More time offline and with people one-on-one and in nature. And I know this is for some like a big duh, but I'm making a decision to change my business structure as a result. Because even though in my personal life, I prioritize that. I was like, I want this even more in my business, right? So I decided 2023 is going to be a lot more still and a lot more unplugged. I was in my silent retreat at Spirit Rock and our focus was on samadhi, which is a meditative state of deep concentration. And I got to thinking about what are the conditions for me most conducive to samadhi? And yes, it's okay to think on Vipassana retreats because you have a brain that's going to do its thing. So one phrase in the suttas on loving kindness that caught my mind's eye was unburdened by duties. And I was like, "Uh, that is definitely not me. Because while I work fewer hours than most people I know, the amount that I carry in my mental space, the logistics of retreats, you know, when um, my clients with trauma that are healing and I'm crafting a personalized approach, balancing things with motherhood and yada, yada, my mind definitely has more burden than it needs to have. And oh my gosh, not to mention tech issues and stuff, right? So I was looking at it like hours, like, hey, if I work three days a week, seven retreats a year, that's chill. But when I examined my mind, it was not unburdened with duties, right? It was a lot to hold. It's a lot more, for example, than when I was a midwife and I could be up 72 hours straight. But then when I was off, I was 100% off, like not deciding I was off and creating boundaries, but actually appearing off to the rest of the world too. Like no marketing needs, the being scheduled to remind people I was here, no emails piling up while I unplugged and decided to be off, right? And I was never in front of a computer longer than it took to write like a patient chart. And the rest of the time I was like, I was with people in real life, being with them, touching bodies, right? And then here's when I insert the phrase to like, please don't respond with suggestions to hire a VA or delegate or whatever. Like my current VA is great. I don't want to hire more people. (laughs) I know that I thrive in nature. My retreats are immersed in nature that I lead, right? So that's very fulfilling. However, my work requires me right now, the way it's structured, to be on a computer almost seven hours a day on those days I work when I'm not on retreats. And my body hurts as a result. Me no likey. (laughs) And a necessary part of today's world, like, is this necessary? I'm not so sure of that anymore, at least not for seven hours a day, three days a week. And sometimes more, especially when tech is involved in a launch or something. So for some people, that sounds rad. For me, it's still icky. I need more time outside, not with a laptop, even if it's on a beach. I think, you know, being a climbing guide for 10 years screwed me because I used to sleep under the stars for over like 225 days a year. So this inside thing feels very foreign to me. So here I am knowing my work is life-changing, my retreats consistently transformative, my clients get 100% results. Also knowing that my spiritual practice has wisdom and is something I want to prioritize. And I got real with myself saying, just because I'm less busy than much of the world It's not conducive to samadhi for me, nor to loving kindness. And it's not enough time in nature for me. Plus, I'm turning 50 next year. My daughter's going to turn nine. If I'm going to be away from her for that long, I want it to be a long meditation retreat or my own adventures. So for 2023, I made some changes. So here's some examples so you can see how a word of the year like rewilding can actually inform decisions. So I am going to be offering only one cohort of the Adventure Mastermind in 2023 instead of three. 
that's a huge shift. So I'm only going to be doing the Adventure Mastermind for the group that starts with their first retreat in March, March 30th. Because however much I know the power of this work and how fucking brilliant I am at it, I want to be using my time off in 2023, my time away from my family, to celebrate my 50th with time in the wilderness and for meditation retreats. My, my work's going to be even more brilliant as a result. I have no doubt. The other thing I'm going to change is that my one-on-one sessions are mostly going to be on the phone instead of Zoom. That's how I did it before COVID. I mean, for decades, coaches did coaching on the phone and not Zoom. And then during COVID, a lot of people were like, oh, like Zoom is so much more transformative and like magical. But listen, Zoom is not as magical as you think, y'all. It doesn't add greater value or connection for one-on-one sessions. It fucks up your back and your neck, widens your ass. Great for groups. And that's where I'll keep using it. But for one-on-one sessions, let's walk outside on the phone, right? And talk, or you can lie on your couch or whatever your body wants to do. This is what I did for a decade before Zoom was invented. And Everyone thought like, oh, it's some magical connection device that creates more value. But trust me, not for one-on-one. I can expand on this if you're curious, but I have decades of experience pre-Zoom and deep transformation and connections possible. Like Steve Jobs didn't brainstorm with colleagues on Zoom. He walked with them outside. That's where the biggest transformation happened. Buddha didn't attain enlightenment because he was staring at someone's face. It was under a tree. There's a reason for this, right? I'm also going to be doing much less social media time. Marketing on social media can be sharing stories, reminding people you're there. I like that. It's easy and natural and something I'd love to do. However, it's still me on a digital device. So I'm not going to be on social media any more than what naturally arises for me, right? I'm also going to be doing more work in my local community. So if you live in Alaska or Hawaii, lucky you. And I'm going to be outside and unplugged a lot more. In fact, most of the time. I want the majority of my life to be offline, y'all, off a computer, even work. I'm really, really excited for this. And the universe has confirmed this for me already. Like applications are coming in even before this episode, right? So yes, if you're wanting to do the Adventure Mastermind, y'all, now's the time because we're just doing one cohort. So go to adventuremastermind.com. So Listen, rewilding is the medicine I need right now. Just like at some points in my life, grief was the medicine I needed to fully grieve a loss. Just like at other points, adventure was my medicine. Falling in love with my whole body, mind, and spirit with the playground of the earth. It's all medicine. But what does your soul need right now? What is that next level you can dive into? What might crack you open? One of my soul wanderer friends that I did the year-long intensive with Bill Plotkin with, they said they have a new word, cractus, making a practice of going into the cracks of life, the small, dark spaces, and receiving the medicine that's found in those places. So there's medicine for all of us in the things that would crack us open. It's the things that crack us open that heal us the most, and we need to be willing to be vulnerable for that to happen. So if you get stuck while picking a word of the year, Another way might be to ask yourself, what would be the medicine I need for the next year? Or even, what would crack me open and reveal my authentic nature? So from this place, this is where we set goals from. Goals can help make your vision more tangible. They're like the action part of your intention, the things you're going to do. 
So then once you've gotten clear about how you want to be, how you want to show up in the next year, now's the time to set your goals. And don't get me wrong. You can set the goal to like buy the dream house or the new kayak or skis or go on a hundred dates or whatever. And we can do those things from this place, from deep, soulful intention, right? And we can take a look at how these goals align with our intention. Do they support each other or conflict? Because if something conflicts with your word of the year, with your deep intention, maybe you should drop it, right? This can be a good way to help us make decisions about what goals to pick, how to go about the goals, if the end really justifies the means, about what you say yes to, what you say no to. So we can ask, does this help me move towards adventure, thriving, or in my case, connection with nature? Does this move me towards authenticity, confidence, unapologetic freedom? Gotta love that one, right? Because ultimately, this is how we want to show up, right? This is how we want to leave our mark on the world, our legacy. This is how we bring meaning into our day-to-day. So this may seem simple, but it's deep as fuck, right? It makes sure we live a life in alignment with our values. Latsu said, be content with what you have. Rejoice in the way things are. When you realize there's nothing lacking, the whole world belongs to you. Ultimately, that's the truth. And when we have tools like our word of the year, our intention, we can make sure we're more aligned before we're enlightened enough to realize all that, right? Okay, one more tip. I want to invite you to find a talisman for your word of the year. So some people do something obvious, like make a necklace with their word of the year on it, but you could also have another piece of jewelry that symbolizes that or a piece of clothing, like a scarf or a hat or a stone, a crystal or a picture. When I had adventure as my word of the year, I took a piece of granite and put it on my altar, right? Granite means so much to me. So that was like perfect for me there. And don't blame me later for suggesting this, but some people get tattoos, right? I know people that have tattooed surrender on their forearm, another who tattooed death on their forearm, right? So it reminded them of their impermanence and inspired them to live fully. Another one who tattooed joy. Oh, they all put it where they would see it regularly, right? So when you come up with your word, pick a talisman to help you stay connected to it. It matters. It matters. So here we go, Rebels. Me on a mission to deeply connect with nature and through that to myself and my place in this world during this one precious life. What about you? May it be just the medicine you need. If you missed the fall enrollment of the Adventure Mastermind, apply for the 2023 cohort now. We start in March and bonuses are rolling right now that you can snag and save thousands of dollars. We've got the retreat scheduled in Hawaii and in Alaska. And just all you have to do is get your ass to the meeting spot. Everything else is included during this amazing six-month program. It will help you redefine what the next chapter of your life will look like. It will help you get unstuck from old patterns that you're so freaking tired of already and start to create the life you were meant to live. Freedom, adventure, and purpose inside and out. Head over to adventuremastermind.com. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, 
access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.